Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with the the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everybody, welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great. Got up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning to come home from Dallas, but other than that, I'm doing just fine. Love some love a good travel day. I got plenty of sleep. I got up at 5.30, so see? <laughs> <laughs> and also, Doug Maurice joining us as well. Doug, how are you? I was at home. I slept until noon. No, I'm just <laughs> I didn't sleep twice until noon, but I got more sleep than you guys did traveling. <laughs> Ah, who needs sleep? The Browns are three and one, right? Uh, but we're going to start the podcast off with a little bit of bad news. Uh, Nick Chubb placed on injured reserve officially today. So he has to miss at least three games. It's probably going to be more than that, Mary Kay. So let's just start here. Can, can you kind of give us the update on where we are with Nick Chubb right now? Well, first of all, I actually think that they dodged a bullet in some ways because this could have been very serious. Uh, it could have been a season-ending knee injury. And we could have been talking about 
Nick Chubb coming back next year. But they do expect him to come back this season. Uh, we said there was one report on NFL Network that he will be out about six games. That would give him, uh, if that is true, now Kevin Stefanski wouldn't confirm it. Uh, he's saying, let's not put anything past Nick Chubb because, you know, some guys come back sooner than you think. Uh, and we do know that Nick has come back from a very serious knee injury before, and he defied the odds with that one. So uh, if he can come back before six weeks, that's great. If not, uh, he'll be back for the home stretch. He'll be back for those last six games of the season. And uh, which I think, you know, I mean, if, if he's had some rest, maybe he'll actually have fresh legs and then be uh, really ready to go for that, for that home final stretch. And in the meantime, they have the, 2017 rushing yardage leader to plug on in there. Go ahead, Doug. I don't <laughs> want to be negative, but so here's, here's the thing. And I was trying to double check it, but they are running the ball so much. They are really running the ball more than a single tailback can carry the load for, right? I mean, they're, they're running the ball 37, right? 35 times a game. So, unbelievable that your second option is a guy with a rushing title. So Kareem Hunt is great, but if they're going to keep being the team they've been, they need someone else to carry that ball. So Dernis Johnson looked great in a fill-in role on Sunday. I do think it becomes different when a team, there's no way Dallas ever expected that guy to be on the field. Now they're going to expect that guy to be on the field. Often guys are capable of filling in in the moment and looking great. And then over time it starts to be like, Oh yeah, that's why that guy was a third stringer. He is really not as good. So I do think I mean, as, as much as we have to give all the credit to the scheme, all the, the credit to the offensive line, this is a big deal. And I just, you can't give the ball to Kareem Hunt 30 times a game for the next month and a half. So they're either going to have to be a little different than they've been on offense, or they're really going to need, whether it's Johnson or Dontrell Hilliard or somebody to really prove that they can be a second back who can take eight, 10 carries a game and be a legit threat and be a dude. And I just don't know that we can assume that right now. So they are set up as any team in the league to weather an injury to a running back as important as Nick Chubb. A lot of other teams would be like, we're dead. Our, our backup stinks, but it is still a big deal because that guy is elite. I, I think that, you know, I'd feel a little better if I, I wasn't, if I felt better about Kareem Hunt's injury right now, you know, he only carried the ball, what, 11 times on Sunday. He didn't actually come into the game and get a carry until late in the first quarter. Uh, so if Kareem Hunt's not hundred percent, I'm a little concerned, but I do think, you know, you, you can, you can come up with something, right? A, a normal NFL team doesn't have these two high level backs who would essentially be top 10, maybe even top five backs in the NFL, if you wanted to make that argument. So you could give Kareem Hunt 20 to 25 carries. And I think you could cobble together another 10 from the Ernest Johnson. What you would lose though. And I was thinking about this today and I actually texted this out to our football insiders. I think the thing you really lose is, you know, we saw the Ernest Johnson break off some eight yard runs some 10 yard runs. I do think you lose that second level explosion there that hunt and Chubb give you, of course, you'll, you'll hopefully still get it from hunt, but you know, those guys turn those, those big wide lanes into 20, 30, 40 yard touchdown runs. And that's kind of what you lose uh, with, De you know, if you're handing it off to Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard. Well, you know, when you look at 
offenses that uh, Kevin Stefanski has called for and run for before, like Del, you know, you have a Delvin Cook. You don't. Most people don't have a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt. So I do think yes, they were taking full advantage of it. They were having, they were doing a great job with it. Uh, they were really using it as an effective, effective one-two punch, and I think that's great. I do think, however, and the groin injury is the big X factor here. If the groin injury is a major issue or turns into one, then this blows all this out of the water. But I think a healthy Kareem Hunt plus some Dearness Johnson, Hilliard, and then you're running reverses and jet sweeps and doing different things like that in the run game where you're not only using your running backs, obviously, you're using your receivers and who knows what else they might have up their sleeve in the run game in terms of, you know, whoever else, uh, but they're doing things like that. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. had 73 yards rushing. Of course, 50 of them came on the touchdown, but he had another uh, 23 yarder. Again, they were going against a defense that was struggling yesterday. You might not be able to do that as often elsewhere, but I think they, between Bill Callahan, the great offensive line coach, scheming it up, uh, a really good offensive line, Kareem Hunt, the reserve backs that you have and the reverses that you can run. This is an injury that they can absorb. So just, I did finally double check week two hunt and Chubb combined for 32 carries week three, they combined for 35 carries. And then against Dallas, all the tailbacks combined combined for 35 carries. So that's how much you're leaning on the tailback position. So again, I mean, now we're now in a world, right. Where, I think you're looking at Dearness Johnson at least 10, at least 10 a game for a third string running back. And he looked good on Sunday, but I, I, I mean, I, everybody uses, you know, but there's, there's always the middle infielder who can come in on an off day and go three for four. But then when somebody gets hurt and now you have to play every day for a month, now it's like, Oh, that guy's hitting 168. And it's like, yeah because he's a 168 hitter when you play him all the time. When you throw him in every now and then, he can look good, but he can't do it every day. You know, Dearness Johnson, good luck, man. Maybe maybe he's a diamond in the rough, but I do think it's possible. If, if you got, do you think with what the offense they have been, if, they've, if they want to run it 35 times with the tailbacks, ideally, when they have Chubb and Hunt, in this world, do you pull back a little bit? Is this mean, does this mean Baker's going to throw it five to seven times more per game? Or do you still keep the plan? And as you said, Mary Kay, you work in maybe some of the more the, the receivers reverses and that kind of thing and really just rely on Dearness Johnson. Or do you have to tweak who you are as an offense by 10 or 15 or 20%? Dan, you go. I don't know that you have to tweak it too, too much. And I'd actually be curious on those numbers. Um, and I still think it would skew pretty heavily towards, towards the running game. But I would be curious if you took out the fourth quarter, especially in those middle two games, what those rushing totals were, just because they were really, you know, especially in that second game against Cincinnati, they were, they were really trying to run the football and play a little keep away. And I think they were doing that a little bit against Washington, even though they trailed going into the fourth. Uh, but they do lean on the running game. But that said, if Kareem Hunt is healthy enough to carry the load, and like Mary Kay said, that is the big if, I kind of feel like maybe you don't miss a beat. Again, this is a guy that is a former rushing champ. This is a guy that would be, if he were healthy, the lead back in Kansas City right now and be getting paid a whole lot of money to do it. 
if, if he hadn't had the incident at the nine. So, you know, I, I think if Kareem Hunt is healthy, you're, I don't want to say you're not going to miss Nick Chubb because of course you're going to miss Nick Chubb, but you're going to survive without Nick Chubb. I also think the scheme is strong enough that you're going to be able to reduce some sort of running game. You know, we've seen in San Francisco what they've been able to do, and we've seen this scheme work over and over and over again to produce good running games with, you know, mediocre backs here and there. Uh, I mean, remember, who was it? Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell, right? Kyle Shanahan made, made them look fantastic. So I think the scheme and a hopefully getting healthier Kareem Hunt will certainly ease the loss here. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, the answer is kind of all of the above. I, I, once again, a healthy Kareem Hunt, I don't think you're going to miss too much of a beat because you can get 25 carry. He is champing at the bit for this. He can't wait for this. He's dying for this opportunity. I mean, that's exactly what he was, and he thrived in that role. He's one of those guys that the more you give him the ball, the hotter he gets, the harder he runs. So I, I think he can handle the full load. And then you, you mix in some of the, you know, Hilliard and some of the Johnson. I think they're fine with that. And like I said, some of the you know, other things that they were doing with reverses and, and whatnot. But I also think as they go along, I do think that they will continue to give Baker a little bit more to do as he shows that he can handle it. And as Kevin Stefanski gets more comfortable in figuring out what he does well, how to call a game for him, how to put him in situations where he can be extremely successful and not put the team in any sort of risk. And it's been a little bit of an education of Baker Mayfield, which should be expected in a brand new offense with new footwork, with new personnel, with new terminology. So I think that if they need to put the ball in his hands a little bit more, fine. If they need to, uh, you know, if they need to rely on, on Kareem Hunt, fine. But I do think that, uh, I just don't think this is catastrophic. I do think that these, uh, that this offensive line and this coaching staff will be able to scheme this up uh, so that they will be fine. The other thing that it will do is it will give them some good data. What would life without Nick Chubb be like? Now, nobody really <laughs> wants to envision that, but... It's a business. It is a business. And I'm sure that they will want to extend him and give him $100,000 million. But this next, if they have to live without him for five, six weeks, they will get a window into what that might look like. If you are a Browns fan who wants Nick Chubb to have a long career in Cleveland, hope the run game stinks for the next month. And that's the world. That's the world. As soon as a team, as soon as you prove that a team can win and go on without you, you become a little less valuable. Put me down right now for they miss part of a beat. And there is at least one game while Nick Chubb is out where at the end of the game, everybody goes, wow, did they miss Nick Chubb in that game? At least once, maybe they miss like an eighth note, not a full beat, like a, like a syncopated beat, maybe a little bit. So I just, I just think he is, he, he does a lot when he doesn't have contact, right? And they, they've been doing, I don't know, they have stats for that, right? That's for the other Somewhere. podcast. They look up all the stats. <laughs> 
he also sometimes can do some stuff on his own, right? There are times when it's like, man, that guy will not go down. And I just think you're going to, you're going to have some times where he's just too good. I think he's too good to not be missed. And they are the runneringest team in the league, right? I mean, a lot of teams, if you're, if you're chucking it around, but you, you know, you're not looking for 35 carries out of your back, then that's a different deal. They have established themselves as they want to run the ball as much as anybody and to do what they really want to do. You really kind of do need two great guys and they happen to have it. So I don't, I think the word you use is catastrophic, Mary Kate. I don't believe it's catastrophic either. I don't think this becomes a, well, they would have made the playoffs if Nick Chubb was healthy and now they're not going to make the playoffs. I just think there might be maybe one or two rough Sundays ahead without him. Let me just ask you something real quick is in assuming that Kareem Hunt is fully healthy, like 100% healthy. And that's probably not realistic when you have a groin injury, but let's just assume for purposes of this discussion that he's healthy. Do you still, do you still feel like there will be one or two Sundays where you're going to be like, darn, we missed that guy. I think for as much as they run it. And I think Dan made a good point about their running numbers are up because they've run a lot in the fourth quarter to put games away, which is their plan. So I think maybe it's one of those Kareem Hunt now in the fourth quarter, there, what was the game where it's like Chubb got him long so far on a late drive, was... and then they put in Hunt to finish it off because mm-hmm. that guy had 14 carries or 11 carries by then. Now he might be in a situation where he's trying to finish a team off and he has 25 carries already. So I just think there might be a time when it's like, man, you can tell that Kareem Hunt's worn down a little bit. You know, this is a this is a big load for him, and that that has an effect in a tight game against a pretty good team. Maybe the Browns aren't quite able to put a team away, and they. You know, you get stopped on third and three. Now you have to punt. Now your defense, which isn't that great, gives something up. And you think, man, if they would have had Nick Chubb, I think they would have put that team away. I'm not trying to be, listen, we may get to my other point in this podcast, which is (laughs) show me the six losses. I picked him to go 10 and six. If we want to play, show me six losses. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it is not like, that's a, there's not not six sure losses out there for them. I'm still in on the Browns but I'm also in on Nick Chubb being a difference maker. And I know you guys agree with that. It's, we're all talking about levels to this. Like, are they going to miss him 11% or, or 28%, right? So we all know he's really good. And I think we all also agree the line is good, the scheme is good, and Hunt is good. And, and what you'll miss is, you know, Doug, you made a point, and I thought of this because I wrote about Kevin Stefanski at the end of halves last night. And one of the things I did was I went back and I watched the Washington final drive of the first half. And there was a play where Nick Chubb took a handoff. Somebody was in the backfield waiting for him and he made a miss and it turned into a play that was pretty vital to keeping that drive going and letting the Browns run the clock down and and still get points on the board. I don't know that Dearness Johnson or Dontrell Hilliard are going to do that very often. I think Kareem Hunt will do that, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where you, where you lose out because your offensive line isn't always going to be perfect or they aren't always going to win the numbers game. And sometimes you're going to have a guy get into the backfield and you got to make a miss. And then it can turn into a 10 yard run or a 15 yard run. Um, and, and they would certainly lose that if they're not handing the ball to hunt and, and they have to hand it to Dearness Johnson and Dontrell Hilliard. That's the difference, you know, that, that replacement level versus above replacement level, I guess, if we, if we want to use those terms. And now there'll be a chicken in the egg thing because the next couple of defenses are going to be tough. And if they don't run the ball as well in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be like, hmm, is that because they played good defenses or is that because they don't have Nick Chubb? And we might not know the answer to that question for a while. 
the ongoing game of how good are the Browns continues to be a, a convoluted, <laughs> impossible to get a grip on game. But it's fun to play at three and one. It's sure fun to play. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And I think Doug just called an audible on us. When we come back, I guess we're going to try and find some Browns losses. All right. We are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Doug Maurice. And uh, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about this, guys, considering uh, recent events. But I guess we're going to look at the Browns schedule and try and predict some losses. This has come back to bite us recently, I think. Uh, but anyway, the Browns are three and one. Um, we were just talking about this before we I, I hit record here. I think most of us were thinking two and two would be pretty good. If this team lost to Baltimore, lost to Dallas and beat the two teams in the middle, they were supposed to great. You're two and two, seven teams make the playoffs. Everything's still in front of you. You're essentially through the preseason now. Instead, the Browns are three and one and things are shaping up very well for this team. So I, I guess let's play the schedule game a little bit here. Um, I, Doug, you said 10 and six, right? You I did. That was my. Losses? Do you have five more losses on this schedule? Here's the thing of why I think Dallas was so important. It proved. I mean, Dallas is going to end up beating some people, right? I mean, Dak Prescott, man. Woo! Now they got defensive problems. Their offensive line is beat up. We all know that. But they got skill position dudes, and they got a quarterback who is going to get some people. So Dallas is a good team. If you can beat Dallas, now you're in the mix with everybody. And so it's not like they're all full of pushovers, but when you start going through games and saying Vegas, Houston, Tennessee, Pittsburgh twice, Baltimore, they're, you're, I don't know. All you have to do is win like half those games. You just start splitting the, the big group of teams in the middle. And they don't play a lot of the elite teams, right? As we, They don't have to deal with Russell Wilson this year. They don't have to deal with Tom Brady this year. So they're not going to be playing these games where it's like, oh, we played well. And then Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson does. And we lost. They have some bad teams. They got the two New York teams. Stink, stink. Jacksonville, I think is a fraud. Yeah. You know, Joe Burrow, that's like, hold our breath and like assume a Bengals win. Joe Burrow is <laughs> going to jump up and bite somebody. He got Jacksonville this week, but I still would count that as a Bengals win. That's four wins. That makes that that's seven. So now it's like, can they split the rest of their games to get the 10 wins? I just think there's no un. Are they going to lose twice to Pittsburgh? I don't think so. I think they'll split with Pittsburgh. Will they lose to Lamar Jackson and Baltimore again? Probably. But again, start finding five more wins to get them to 10 and six. I have five more losses. I think 10 and six is really, really out there for them because Dallas wasn't just a game that we all picked them to lose and they won, but it proved that's the kind of team they can run with. So now you don't have to assume that, that Tennessee and Houston and Vegas are going to beat them. Yeah, and you know what? This is the year that you should have picked them to win 12 games, I think. Because I, I'm having a hard time finding many more losses on it. I mean, really, like you said, the two New York teams are just bad. I agree with you about Jacksonville. Uh, Houston, I think Houston can be beat. I mean, if you keep taking the ball away like this, if you can run the ball and take the ball away and hit some shots to guys like Odell and Austin Hooper, you know, you, you can pretty much – play with anybody in the NFL. There are very few teams in the NFL right now that I think I would look at and say, they can't win that game. And that would be Kansas City would be one. Um, and maybe there's a couple other teams like that. Buffalo right now, I would probably pick the Bills to beat them. Um, 
the the Bucks. I'd probably, I, you know, with Tom Brady, I, you know, I, I might pick the Bucks to beat them, but right now and Seattle, but right now there's just not a ton of football teams where I would actually say they have no chance. So I always feel like this is a dangerous thing to to talk about the day after the Browns look really good on a Sunday. There, there's always that that little bit of recency bias. Like, man, they looked great in that game. This team's going to – who's going to beat them, right? Nobody's going to beat them. But I think there's a combination here of, one, we see very tangible evidence that this is a better coach team and the talent that we all saw last year is still there. Uh, and, two, some of these teams on the schedule that might have made you say, you know, I just think they're a little bit ahead of the Browns. I don't feel that way anymore. I think the Texans are, are a great example of that. This is a team that that's a mess right now. Bill O'Brien has sort of unintentionally stripped that team down and left to Sean Watson by himself. Uh, so I don't know. And, and there's a chance that maybe they go Houston and get on a run here and they're much better when November 15th rolls around. Um, you know, the Raiders, they've had some good games. They've had some bad games. You look at their losses. They've lost to pretty good teams. They also managed to, to beat the saints on Monday night football, but that's not a team that you look at and say, Oh, that team's better than the Browns, the Eagles. That's another team that I kind of looked at and said, okay, well maybe they're a little bit ahead of the Browns now, but they've been an, an absolute mess so far too. Uh, Carson Wentz has been a mess. So there's not a team on the schedule remaining outside of the Ravens. And I mean, I guess you can make the case for the Titans uh, you know, they're, they're undefeated. This might go with our picks pod, but they have yet to cover the spread this season. Uh, the Titans are pretty good. That's really, and, and of course, you know, the Steelers too. Those are kind of the three teams that I look at and say, okay, those teams are probably better than the Browns, but I don't look at them as, as unbeatable necessarily. The Ravens maybe, but the others, I could see the Browns coming away with a split against the Steelers and maybe going to Nashville and beating the Titans. You just don't know. So I think, and, and I'm not, you know, I was only six games off with my prediction last year of 12 and four. It's hard to miss a prediction by six <laughs> games. So that was terribly wrong. I'm not trying. So what did you guys pick before the season? I can't remember for your records for the Browns. I, I picked eight and eight. I picked nine and seven and I set the bar where they had to make the playoffs and win a playoff game. That's where my, my bar was set. So I think most people, all of us. I mean, I think it, I think probably all of us picked a better record last year, at least, or right, maybe by a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they brought back basically all the same most important talent, except they got better at a couple important spots like tackle. They have Kareem Hunt for a whole year instead of half a year. Let's assume that Miles Garrett doesn't get suspended for six games this year. There were a lot of reasons. And by the way, we all thought going in, and it has been proven so far, the coaching is going to be better. So actually there's every reason, right? Whatever you predicted last year yep. to predict even better this year, but nobody was going to do that because we were so wrong. Me first among us. Well, can I, so can I, can I interrupt year. you? Can I interrupt you, Doug, and uh, jump in with some breaking news here on the pod that will affect the Browns in their future. The Texans have fired head coach and GM Bill O'Brien. You know what? It's so funny that you say that Dan, the minute he, I heard, I watched his press conference last night and I thought he's gone. He's getting fired. And he said to them, he told his players, I did a horrible, I've done a horrible job of coaching this football team. I'm like, why don't you just go hand in your resignation? While is, you're Uncle, is Uncle Romeo going to take over? I don't know. That's All right. Tough. But anyway, that's, that's something there that 
there's a team in much more disarray than the Browns. Sure. They have talent. They might have a better quarterback than the Browns. We've, we're still trying to figure Baker Mayfield out a little bit, but I mean, that, you know, that makes Hopkins, that game winnable. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, you have to have a playmaker. Look at the difference that Josh Allen, it's made for Josh Allen to have a receiver like Stephon Diggs. Okay, you take DeAndre Hopkins away from that football team, and that is not the same team. And by the way, and it worked out for Houston because they got Deshaun Watson out of it, but they traded their first round pick and had a bad year, which is how the Browns got Denzel Ward at four. They tra- they don't have their first round pick next year. It's traded to Miami. Yeah, and now it looks like they stink again. That might be a top five pick again that they're not going to be able to make. So anyway, point isn't it? It's just, it's not weird. I mean, like this is how it's supposed to be, but it's like, there's so many teams that are in disarray and the Browns aren't one of them. So anyway, I think we all got spooked a little bit, reasonably so, in our assessment of the Browns. And if you just started going through position by position, and by the way, the schedule, again, no Russell Wilson, no Tom Brady, right? no, no, no Nick Bosa, right? right? The schedule this year was much easier, especially in the first half of the year, which like set them on the wrong. There were a lot of things in place this year to think, man, they really will be better. I think we were, it's like, if we were wrong, everything we thought, especially, and I'll say me now, I'll put it on myself. Everything I thought I thought about the Browns last year when I said 12 and four, wasn't wrong as much it was a year early. And I applied it to a coaching staff that, that didn't live up to it. But this coaching staff seems like it is living up to it. But the rest of the talent they didn't really lose any talent from last year. So again, it sounds crazy to go through a schedule and say like, well, of course they're going to go 10 and six, except you know what, if we just, if we didn't have last year to be spooked by, it wouldn't sound crazy at all. No, it's not. Go ahead, Dan. Well, you know, I'm, I was just going to say, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not quite ready to jump on the, the 10 and six or 12 and four bandway. I just want to see more, you know, that's usually how I look at it. And I am worried about this defense and I'm worried about what some of some of these teams might be able to do uh, against this defense. There's going to be some adversity this team faces. They're going to have to figure some things out. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do against this schedule. So let's do it this way. Let's let's approach it like this. Let's figure out the toughest games left. All right. We'll kind of go pseudo draft style. Here. Mary Kay, what do you what do you see as the toughest game left on, the, on this schedule? You know, there's not many. So um, the toughest game left on the schedule, I think, will be, it's kind of tough. I would think, hmm, I wonder what those Pittsburgh Steelers, how they're going to match up against the Browns. Sometimes it is a matchup game that you have to play. And I think the Browns don't have to really fear anyone because there's not a ton of really good quarterbacks left that they have to play. The teams that I would worry about for them would be a team that has a really good quarterback. So you have to be looking at, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and what he might do. And then, of course, I think then you have to look at Tennessee because they're tough usually all the time. And, um, and then you would have to look at the Ravens. So if I had to pick one of those, I guess I'd say the Ravens. So I think, I think, so they have Indianapolis this week, then at Pittsburgh the next week. I think that'll be really interesting, especially like if the Browns win against Indianapolis. And now it's like, they're four and one, they're riding high. Here we go. And Pittsburgh's going to be like, oh yeah, come get some of this. So Ben, 
I think Ben is playing solid football. They have a couple different weapons there. Here's the thing about Baltimore. I just like on one hand, it's like, I'm just not going to assume that they're, that the Browns are going to beat Baltimore for a while. Lamar Jackson has lost six times as a starter in his whole career, three times against the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes twice in the playoffs and to the Browns. So the only people who can beat Lamar are like when it's postseason. here we go. The best quarterback in the league and the Browns. So it's like that wrinkle of last year that they went and won in Baltimore makes it hard. So, but, but, but again, outside the division, I think everything is winnable. Of course, who's not going to respect Tennessee, but I do think, man, if they win at Pittsburgh in two weeks, then I, I mean, all bets are off then. I mean, if that's, <laughs> that is a show me something game. And if they show that, holy moly, then things are going to go crazy. All right. So you've, you've got, uh, we got Baltimore and Pittsburgh, the first Pittsburgh game out of here. And, and, you know, again, like I said, talking about this at the Monday after that Dallas game is going to skew it a little bit, right? If the Browns go out and lose to Indianapolis and we do the same thing, maybe we're talking a little differently about this team. Um, but I think I will go with, I'm going to go with that Titans game. I, I mean, I could pick the other Steelers game, but that's kind of boring. Uh, I'll go with that other, that Titans game, December 6th in Nashville. Um, I, I think, I still think the Titans are really good, right? They're undefeated. Like I said, they played a bunch of close games. That's a really good team. Well coached. They know who they are. That's sort of, I think who the Browns aspire to look like a little bit kind of based on how their roster is. Uh, so I, I think that at Tennessee game is, is one that I'm, I'm certainly circling as uh, one of the toughest opponents left on the schedule. And now is where it starts to get thin. Oh, super thin. Right? We, we still have Indianapolis on the table, but now it starts to thin out a little bit. So yeah, Mary Kay, what, what are you looking at? I mean, it's, this is the fourth, this started out to be the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL heading into the season. And it has gotten easier than it even looked back then, I think, because of what's going on in Houston. And now they're in even more disarray, but sometimes the coaching change can shake things up a little bit. So maybe they'll get better. Um, and um, certainly the, the Eagles are worse than I thought that they would be this season. They've had a lot of injuries though. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, but the next toughest game, um, I would take, hmm, I, I, I guess I'll take Pittsburgh at home. Okay, the other Pittsburgh game. Doug? I pass. I mean, listen, that's, that's it. That's it. Somebody's right? got to, somebody's got to take Indianapolis. So I don't want to overlook how good Indianapolis's defense is. And, and we can't do that. And I, we all like to get caught up in quarterbacks again. Right. But I agree with Mary Kay. And I wrote this last week about how they can make the playoffs beating mediocre quarterbacks because they do not play Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, Drew Brees or Kyler Murray. Like they do not play the guys that can kill you by themselves. Right. So maybe the Colts will just shut this down and Phillip Rivers will do a little bit of this and that. And the Colts will win, you know, 24 to 16. I mean, they could lose to the Colts, but I just, I would just throw that game in a mishmash though. So yes, Dan, I'll take the Colts as the next, as the next toughest game. But I would draw a line at the two Pittsburgh games, Baltimore and Tennessee, 
as like, man, those are those are real tests. And then everything below that to me is a mishmash of, man, they could win that. Now, they're not going to win every game where you say they could win that. But again, they can win a lot of them. So I just think that it's just so different than last year. When you looked back on last year and you thought, my gosh, you know, they just really wound up in a spot where they played okay early on against some really good teams. You know, they couldn't get in the end zone on fourth on from the goal line against the Rams. You know, the Rams are a good team. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson them. Nick Chubb fumbles against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And like that never happens, but that's going to kill you against those guys. Mm-hmm. I just think the thing about it is they don't have to play perfect to beat a lot of these teams. They can make mistakes and still win, which suddenly sometimes it's felt like maybe not sometimes, maybe every year since the Browns came back, it's felt like, well, they better play perfect or they're not going to beat anybody good. I think they're in a window of not having to play perfect and still beating some decent teams, but I'll take Indianapolis. And the, the other thing is that, um, you know, if, if you continue to win the turnover margin, they're going to win a lot of football games. And there's a lot of guys on this football team, on this defense, uh, that, that can force fumbles and, and get interceptions. And they're not putting Baker in position to throw interceptions. So they're going to win the turnover battle a lot and score a ton of points off of those turnovers. So I, I do think it sets up for, uh, for a very winning season and a ending in the playoffs. I, I, I see it coming. Okay. So here's what we've got. We, we've kind of identified, right? The Baltimore game, the two Pittsburgh games, and the Tennessee games is like, these are the toughest games left. I think it's safe to say that the, the, new, the new Jersey trip around Christmas, the Giants and the Jets, if you can't win those games, you're in trouble. Jaguars, you know, same thing. They, they've certainly crashed back down to earth. The Texans, we talked about that. That, that team has completely changed now with uh, Romeo Cornell as, as the interim head coach and, and they're a mess. So I guess it's going to kind of come down to, you know, like the Raiders game on the 1st, on November 1st. Do the Raiders come in and look really good against this defense or do the Browns impose their will on a team like Oakland? You know, what happens in that game? When you go to Cincinnati, well, how's Joe Burrow playing? How's your defense look? To me, it kind of all comes down to the defense. If, if some of these teams can exploit your defense a little bit and maybe figure out a way to take away the run, uh, that, that makes these games much more of a coin flip. But it does kind of come down to those middle-of-the-road games against teams like Oakland, Houston, Philadelphia, how you perform in those games that, that could be the difference between seven wins and ten wins, I guess. And one thing we have to keep in mind is, and fans know this, the AFC North plays the NFC East this year, and the NFC East stinks. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Browns already have two wins against the Cowboys and Washington, and they have Philadelphia and the Giants coming. But everybody in this division, I was just looking up the Pittsburgh schedule. It's like a reminder. It's like everybody, the Ravens are going to get to feast on the NFC East. The Steelers are going to get to feast on the NFC East. And talking about toughest game, you know, the Steelers are 3-0 right now. Um, I still think I, w- I think the Ravens are going to win this division. Not, not impossible that that Week 17 game with Pittsburgh it ends up being like a play-in game for the playoffs. Now, maybe they'll both make the playoffs. Maybe there'll be three teams in the AFC North that make the playoffs. But in talking about how, how difficult a game might be, there have been a lot of games late in the year in recent seasons where the Browns and the Steelers have played, and it hasn't mattered, right? Where it's like, well... I mean, the Steelers are already going to the playoffs and the Browns aren't. This is a nothing game. This week's 17 game could be like 
huge and hugely fun. All right. Well, it's going to be fun to watch and, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, it's great to talk about this team after when, like I said, I think that that skews it a little bit, but really, if you do look into this schedule and see how this team is playing, how they're being coached, the teams in front of them, uh, it, it is out, out in front of them. And Doug, you had me thinking, it almost reminds me a little bit of 2007 when this team went 10 and six and they missed the playoffs that year that they would have made the playoffs under the current format. But uh, the AFC North was unbelievable that year. And maybe because of that schedule, we're going to see three AFC North teams have a shot to make the playoffs, which, which should be interesting. And it's uh, just, oh. I, I get caught up in the schedule sometimes, but if the Browns were the exact same team that they are, and we were looking and saying, well, they still have to play Kansas City, Green Bay, and Seattle, <laughs> we would feel very differently. So the schedule really matters, and they just don't have many games like that. Very true. I've okay, that'll do it on this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Football Insider. Text 216-208-3965. Start that 14-day free trial and subscribe the Orange and Brown Talk podcast as well, where if you listen to podcasts, because I know there's another guy to watch the tape. Do you guys have topics yet, Doug? They're still working it out a little bit. Uh, might get into some OBJ stuff. Certainly interested in the run game and, and how it may or may not look uh, going forward. Um, Scott and Ellis always twirl some great ideas. So we'll have something for you on Tuesday. All right. So make sure you're subscribed so you get that. We had seven podcasts drop into your feed last week. That's going to be normal because we got those two got to watch the tapes and then we have our daily pods as well. And our picks pod coming on Friday. I did not do so hot this week. I did not follow up my 4-0 with a very good week. My that. fake bank account is empty. I'm so bad. <laughs> Mary Kay is just rolling along right now. I think she went 3-1 oh, yeah. again. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks for